This is Bruce Friedman of Adult Site Broker, and welcome to Adult Site Broker Talk, where each week we interview one of the movers and shakers of the adult industry, and we give you a tip on buying and selling websites. This week we'll be speaking with sex toy expert Kim Ayers. You've probably noticed our new podcast site at adultsitebrokertalk.com. It has a more modern look with easier navigation and more information on our guests, including their social media links. You'll find all that at adultsitebrokertalk.com. And we've doubled our affiliate payouts on ASB Cash. Now, when you refer sellers or buyers to us at Adult Site Broker, you'll receive 20% of our broker commission on any and all sales that result from that referral for life. You can either place a link to us on your site or refer buyers and sellers through an email introduction. Check out ASBcash.com for more details and to sign up. We've also added an events section to our website at adultsitebroker.com. Now you can get information on B2B events on our website, as well as special discounts reserved for our clients. Go to adultsitebroker.com for more details. Now let's feature our property of the week that's for sale at Adult Site Broker. We're proud to offer a site that has a comprehensive list of the finest strip clubs in the world. The site has strip club reviews and discussions. It's been around since 1993. The current owner can provide the new owner with all the information needed to run the site. Members stay on for an average of 3.5 months. There's a total of 80 to 95 new joins and rebuilds a day. All the traffic is direct or from search, and 99% is from North America. No ads have been purchased, which is something the new owner could do to increase revenues. There are several revenue streams that are currently not being implemented, including banner ads. These revenue streams could easily double or triple the monthly sales. The owner is selling so he can take advantage of other opportunities. Only $750,000. Now time for this week's interview. My guest today on Adult Site Broker Talk is Kim Ayers. Kim, thanks for being back with us today on Adult Site Broker Talk. Yay, very excited to be back, that's for sure. I'm excited to have you. Now, Kim mm-hmm. is a sexuality educator, sex toy expert, public speaker, blogger, and sex industry writer who combines her clear, concise sex education with a healthy dose of humor. She easily puts everyone at ease with her honesty and straightforward approach to a healthy sex life. She was the founder of New England's first female and couples-friendly sex toy store, grand opening when she left her job at Harvard to sell rubber dicks to girls. Kim's been, I love that line. Kim's been featured in Boston Magazine, Marie Claire, Playboy, Playgirl, AOL, The Daily Mail, and many others. Kim's a certified sex educator and her passion is helping others be comfortable about sexuality and gaining confidence in all things sex. Not to mention sharing a good dirty joke or two. We'll be waiting. On social media, she's at Kim Ayers. YouTube at Kim Ayers Grand Opening exclamation mark and on OnlyFans at Kim Ayers. So Kim, it's your 30-year anniversary in the business. Congratulations. It's crazy thinking it's been that long. I know. I know. And you're and you're only and you're only 24. How's that possible? Exactly. So, So what's the most important takeaway from all those years? 
Well, I think the main thing is the incredible head spinning for me, advancement of technology on so many levels in the adult industry. Because when I started out in 93, pretty much the options for what the materials were for, let's say, vibrators was hard plastic, vinyl, or latex. That was it. And pretty much, you know, it's hard to find a hard plastic toy. They still exist. Latex pretty much doesn't exist anymore because there's been so many other new materials that are out there that are much more body friendly and less expensive and less stinky and things like that. And then, you know, vinyl, that's gone way by the wayside Mm -hmm. a long time ago. So just thinking, you know, that that those things are gone as materials is pretty significant. And I look at pictures of my store when I started and I'm kind of, everything was like cylindrically shaped and, you know, there weren't any of the U shaped toys that are out there all over the place now. And so that's just one aspect of God, so many different things that are out there. I mean, technology wise, what they do and the materials and everything. So that's, that to me is, has been the real significant change in the past 30 years. Sure. So what's the most intriguing sex toy that's come out in the past few months? Intriguing sex. Well, I'll tell you, because I'm looking at one right now and there's no motor in it. Okay. And it's a different take on something that Tons of manufacturers have made, and there's only one company that's making it. And I'm like, this to me is a game changer. And it gives me penis envy because (laughs) it's a toy that guys can use to masturbate with. (laughs) But I guess, I mean, women can masturbate with it too if you're like fantasizing about, you know, doing scissoring or licking pussy or something like that. It is made by Curve Toys, and Curve is based out of North Hollywood. They do all their molding and pouring in Mexico, and I'll give you a little background. The person that is the head of their manufacturing in Mexico came from Topco, and Topco was a leader in the industry, and they're the ones that really came out with the TPR cyber skin that was the first material that was flesh-like in feel and everything so everybody thinks you know it was fleshlight but fleshlight actually well there's a backstory to that too i won't go into it too much because it's a little political oh please yeah yeah in this business you think so taco <laughs> like came out with cyber skin which really was the one that was marketed a lot more anyway so it was the guy that was the head of the cyber skin manufacturing for topco well he bailed i mean topco's like it's still out there but it's got its last gasp going on i mean that's a whole nother thing what he created are these realistically colored vulvas for you know sticking your dick into so we call them strokers in the industry but what he came up with is a coating on the outside and it's called wet look hmm. and it is the most realistic wet pussy you will 
ever see. Now, I've seen my share of the real things, right? And when you get a nice lubed pussy and just, you know, it's freaking gorgeous. And these masturbators look exactly like that. He's even got the color tone because when a vulva owner is sexually stimulated, the blood rushes to the vulva area. That's why the labia and the inner labia get darker and pinker and darker and purplier and sometimes browner. I mean, it really depends on skin tone. Everybody's different. You can't say that like Caucasian women will have, you know, a purple one or something like this. All across the board, it's always like these deep, richer, blood-filled colors. And those colors are captured in these masturbators also. So he not only captured the color of an engorged vulva, but also the look with that clear coating on it. And they are magnificent. They're just, they're so incredibly realistic. I mean, way more than just a fleshlight or any other kind of masturbator that's just a vulva because it first of all those tend to be like a single color so they really don't tend to be that realistic technically and this these are just incredible i mean i look at them and even i get a hard on okay i mean <laughs> they're that good so nice. they yeah they came out it came out about a year ago, and I'm surprised they just haven't like totally wiped out all other masturbators out there. Interesting. Love to get him on the uh, podcast. Yeah, I don't know. He's he might be kind of quiet about what he does. I don't know, but it would be kind of cool because it's it's with that testimonial. It's and hey, coming from me too. It takes a lot for me to be impressed by something. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, you see them all, so I can only imagine. So what's the difference between water-based, silicone-based, and hybrid lube? Well, that's a really good question because a lot of people, you know, it's absolutely. And that's the thing is we all are like, oh, yeah, use a lube. First of all, I think a personal lubricant is the number one sex toy. I never have sex without using lube. It doesn't matter where... You know, I mean, this is the whole thing with lube. So I'll backtrack a little bit. So what happens with sexual stimulation? And it's there's a lubricant that gets emitted by both vulvas and penises. Okay, so with penises, we know and we call them we call it pre-cum. Now pre-cum actually has a real function, and what pre-cum is, it's so cool. So when a penis gets stimulated. So it can be visually or just whatever, when the juices start flowing, what happens is out of the, why am I getting a blank on the name? It's not the sperm, it's the uh, gland. Uh, God, I can't believe I'm forgetting this word. Anyway, it's a gland that secretes pre-cum and it goes through the urethra. Now, it is ahead of the seminal vesicles, right, where the semen comes out and the sperm and everything. So upon stimulation, so like I say, it can be whatever starts the juices going. The gland, oh, I could look it up right now, but whatever. The gland starts secreting pre-cum, all right? The two purposes of that, this is the whole thing. All sex is based on reproduction, except for the mm. pleasure of the clitoris. Right. Everything else is based on reproduction. So this fluid comes out 
right through the urethra, travels through the urethra to the head of the penis to do two things. One, lubricate the tip. Why? Because you're going to be sticking it in a vulva and fucking and making babies, right? Mm-hmm. And it also, not for everybody, trust me, but <laughs> what it also does, and this is the magnificent thing about it, it cleans out the urethra from any trace of urine because urine kills sperm. So it flushes it out so those sperm don't get killed going through the urethra and then get doing their job. So that's pretty cool. So that's around male um, lubrication. Now for vulva lubrication, that is usually a natural response to sexual stimulation as well. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times it involves more of touch as opposed to naturally occurring, although it can definitely naturally occur too without, you know, stimulation. But this is a whole thing with women that, you know, we are very delicate and creative and amazing, strong creatures. Mm-hmm. The production of lubricant can also vary according to our menstrual cycles. So it tends to be much more copious. Take a guess when? Uh, menopause. Nope. Okay. All right. Start thinking reproduction. Reproduction. Oh, sorry. Uh, I don't know. During ovulation, so mid-cycle, there's actually, if you look at slides of female lubrication, like in the middle of the cycle, okay, so it looks like ferns, right? Like all during regular, but then during the um, ovulation, which is right in the middle of her menstrual cycles, the lubrication kind of, so before ferns open, they're, they're all like straight, so the actual makeup of female lubrication during ovulation smooths out. Hmm. Why? So those little spermies can go swimming up there. So yes, yeah, so the actual physical makeup of female vulva lubrication is different mid-cycle. So it's a lot more slippery, a lot smoothly. And then also another thing that affects lubrication, which I find fascinating, is... Okay, so let's say you have a stuffy nose and you take an antihistamine. That affects vaginal lubrication as well. Because think about it. It dries out mucous membranes, your nose. But on any package of antihistamine, does it ever say, if you are sexually active, please use a personal lubricant? Of course, it won't say that because you're not supposed to be fucking when you have a stuffy nose. (laughs) So I'm always like, you know, Always use your lubrication. And also, too, is a lot of people will be like really turned on by their partner and have kind of a dry pussy. And a lot of times the partner will be like, what, I don't turn you on enough? And it sometimes it just doesn't lubricate, you know? And it has nothing to do with the partner. Or it can, I mean, depending on what your partner is like and stuff. I've never said that, by the way, just to like. I know, but enough people think that, you know, and stuff. So back to the original question. Water, silicone, or hybrid? Yes. What's the difference? Water base is compatible with any toy out there. So any toy, any condom, any anything, it's fine. Our bodies are water-based, so our bodies accept water-based lube really well. There's all different kinds of consistencies. There's really runny, like Astroglide. There's um, jellies. 
KY jelly, uh, for everybody out there, that was made for medical examinations, not sex. So it's really a yucky lubricant to use. There are other lubes that are made specifically for sex that are jelly-based. Um, a really good one is the Wicked Sensual Care line and Wicked Simply, S-I-M-P-L-Y, excellent line of lubricants, all of them. And so they've got different formulas including water-based and hybrid. I don't think they make a silicone for Wicked. Anyway, so water-based lubes, totally awesome. Easy to wash off, easy to wash out, easy to wash off your body, easy to wash off toys, in toys, that type of thing, super easy. Then there's silicone. Now, silicone, that's chemically based. Uh, there's five different ingredients that can go in a silicone lube. And that depends on the price of it too, because there's more like dimethicone, cyclopentasilaxane is another one. So there's all these different types of silicone that go into a silicone lube. That's why some silicone lubes are less expensive than others. It depends on the quantity of the particular ingredients. So there's silicone lubes. And the thing with silicone is their chemical makeup is, it's like ball bearings. So it does not stick to itself at all. In that case, it doesn't dry out either. Because a water-based lube, everybody's like, oh, it gets sticky. That's because the water evaporates out of the lube. So to just fire up a water-based lube, just add water. It's like shampoo. If you want more lather, you add more water. You don't add more shampoo. So same thing with water-based. So a lot of people use um, silicone-based for anal because they just don't want anything to dry out. So it's really popular for that. It's a good idea. Yeah. I mean, I, I always say lubricant is like perfume. You get the one that works for you because every body is different around it. So silicone, now I actually, I hate silicone lube because it's like having oil on your hands and you can't wash it off until you make a concerted effort. To wash it is that like, uh, is that KY? Is that silicone? No, KY is water-based. So silicone is pure, P-J-U-R, lube. Uber lube is silicone. There's lots of, there's liquid silicone. There's, there's a lot of silicone lubes out there. So it's totally a personal preference thing. Now, what came out, well, there was one available when I still had my store, so that was like in the early 2000s, called Liquid Silk. And that was basically the first hybrid lube out there. It's very creamy. So the hybrids are a creamy-based lube. I've never met a, a hybrid that wasn't creamy. And I keep saying creamy because that's the consistent. It looks like jizz. So it actually <laughs> works when you want to like fake jizz yourself. Is a silicone lube. It's great for great for camming and porn scenes. Trust me on that one. Mm -hmm. So hybrid is the best of both worlds. So it works with any toy. It's water-based and silicone blended. And that's my favorite because it's easy to wash off, but it lasts long, longer than a water-based lube. So you get the quality of both too. And then, oh yeah, before I forget, so everybody, I'm sure everybody out there who's listening who knows silicone toys and silicone lube have heard don't use silicone lube with silicone toys, which is what's been said since the late 90s. Because what happened, late 97, I can nail exactly what year, there were very few silicone lube manufacturers and very few, few silicone toy manufacturers. And there was a company that, that if you use silicone toy um, lube on it, it would make a chemical reaction 
on the toy, it would make it sticky and you could not wash it off. So that's when that started. Don't use silicone lube with silicone toys. Nowadays, lots more silicone lubes out there and lots more silicone toys. So if you have a silicone toy and you want to try silicone lube with it, just put two drops of the lube somewhere on the toy that you're not going to use. Kind of like you do chemical reactions with clothes, yeah. Completely. And you test it with two drops, leave it overnight, wipe it off the next morning. If there's no stickiness, you can use that lube with a toy. Although I do suggest washing it off thoroughly after. Um, Dawn dish detergent works really well to break down the, the oil consistency of a silicone lube. Because a lot of times, you know, if you use just regular soap, it doesn't break it down. Because think of it as an oil. So, yeah. So that's, that's my lube lesson for today. Thank you very much. So we were talking about materials and toys. What's the difference between TPR, TPE, and silicone? Sure. TPR and TPE, those are acronyms. One's thermoplastic elastomer and the other one is thermoplastic rubber. So they're basically the same. Um, they do not contain phthalates. Phthalates is a rubber softener, that new car smell that you get. And, <laughs> and it was used a lot in sex toys. But it was also used in making baby toys and things. And what they found... I'm still a little skeptical, but whatever. Um, they found that it can change the hormones of male infants and feminize them. So it's an endocrine disruptor and hormone disruptor. Weird. I know. So I'm like, so they, they've taken it out of sex toys. Well, like me, I'm postmenopausal. I could fucking care less about baby boys, <laughs> right? Not going to happen. So I'm like, you know, whatever. But the thing is, phthalates are stinky. So that it's, when you'd open a sex toy back in the like late nineties and stuff, you'd open it up and it would be like, whew, pew, that's a small, that's a small, a strong scent. That was phthalates. They've gotten so far away from phthalates because A, they, they're outlawed in the EU. The US hasn't really cracked down, thank God, on sex toys, but people have just gotten away from manufacturing with it. So, PR and TPE is one of those new materials that have replaced latex. And a lot of toys are made out of that. Body safe. You can use water-based lube with it. Tend not to use a silicone-based kind of doesn't work as well, you know, and if your toy might disintegrate over a period of time. So TPR tends to be the standalone material. And a lot of time TPE is used as a coating for toys that are ABS plastic. So it, they're kind of interchangeable, you know, they're kind of the same thing. It's what's the difference between elastomer and rubber? Not much of a difference. I mean, some chemists might say something different, but you know, not really. Anyway, that and silicone. So silicone's also a rubber, absolutely no phthalates in it. Extremely body safe. So silicone is the go-to. They used to be really expensive dildos. And then once the Chinese manufacturing started get to it, boom, everything came down. And it was so much easier to manufacture toys made out of silicone. Plus now the consumer is really aware of silicone toys. So they demand silicone toys because they know that that's the best material there is to put in and on their body. So mm -hmm. you really get a ton of silicone. And they've really perfected the way silicone looks. I mean, they make really realistic colors and feel and things like that. They haven't really made silicone masturbators, but then they're like, why? 
this is the whole thing with masturbators. They're not really used internally. They're used externally. So if you're sticking your dick in it and it's your exterior skin, it's not going to be absorbed as if you were putting it in an anus or vagina. So, you know, you don't really see silicone masturbators at all. I don't think the material really lends itself to that, you know, being that soft and pliable. So that's really the only product that you don't see out of silicone. But yeah, so silicone's the go-to material for sure. Sounds like it. So what do you do with all the products you get to review? Do you have like a garage sale or something? I do, actually. <laughs> that was just a wild guess. It's, you know, what's a girl to do? And I was being facetious I'll, to a certain degree. It's a good, bad problem to have. Let me tell you, I get, here, give, yeah. do the math on this. I get 30 sex toys a month to oh, shit. review. 30. So it's crazy. So I get a lot of them and everybody's like, Oh, do you try them out yourself? At this point, I know what they do. Right. So I, I know, you know, like if it's a guy toy, you know, I feel it out. I like hold it in my hand and think, okay, well, how, how would this be used masturbating? Do you ever have men, you know, try them out? Sometimes. <laughs> but like, What's really funny is when I test a toy with a partner I'm like looking at it as a science project, not so much, <laughs> oh, this is going to be a great pleasure toy. It's like, okay, how does this fucking work, you know, and stuff, or, or how does it work fucking too, you know? So I, I, I look at it, it's kind of like when I watch porno and review porn, which I really haven't done in a while, I like watch it like, okay, how, how is this, you know? And then if I get off watching it, it makes it really good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. So with toys, you know, I really scrutinize what the material's like. How is it made? Is it flexible? Is it not? Is it strong? How does it vibrate? What are the speeds? All that type of stuff. And then I don't use them per se. I know what I like and I keep the ones that I like. You must have a closet full of them. I, yeah. How many have you kept over the years? I probably have 50 that I've kept. That's it, huh? Okay, that's it. Listen to you. Wow. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, when you're silicone, you know. Says something. It's that tricky. says something. Yeah, it's tricky about keeping <laughs> track of all those fucking chargers. <laughs> oh, my but, God. Yeah I, can they, o- yeah. I can only imagine. Oh, my God. What happens is when I test a toy, you know, I take it out of the package, and the charger will drop on the floor. It's like, oh, shit, you know. And sometimes I don't remember putting them in back into the bag. And then so I'll have like these chargers at my feet and I'm like, oh, fuck, what are these for? And so I have to kind of track them down. <laughs> There's kind of standard, a standard one. It's a pin charger. So right. that's a standard. But there's so many that are magnets and the magnets are this far and that wide and this big and flat, flat and blah, blah, blah. And the magnet ones, the magnet ones, I mean, I get it. It's part of the design of the toy, but they're actually kind of pain in the ass because you have to have them sit just right when they charge, you know, as opposed to the pin charger, you just throw that in there and the thing can be dangling from my laptop charging off my computer, but the the magnet ones have to be sitting just right. So I've kind of run into that as an issue with some of the toys, like, you know, I'll mention, oh, it's a magnetic charger and stuff. So like I said, it's kind of a pain in the ass, but but it fits with the design and, and then, and then what not enough manufacturers do. And I suggest it for anybody who does have sex toys to just take a piece of tape or whatever, you know, a duct tape or something and just put like a tab on your charger 
with the name of the toy. Because otherwise you're like, what fucking toy does this go with? And then the team <laughs> chargers have two different lengths too. So they're standard, but they're not. So keep track of your charger. There's one company, Vibin, V-I-B-E-N, which makes great toys. They're a relatively new company. Um, they're a distributor's line of toys. They're really great. There's so much thought that goes into them. They're really great. And there's so much thought that they even label their chargers with the name of the toy. Oh, that's awesome. It totally is. I wish, I wish, I wish shavers and trimmers and things did that. I do everybody, you know, because you, yeah, because yeah, you look at the, and the, anything computer oriented, you know, you, who's got, I can tell you, everybody that's listening to this is going to have a box of freaking cords and chargers and shit that they have no idea what they go to because we've forgotten and you can't throw it out, you know, in these like <laughs> square plug chargers that you're like, what the hell does this go to? And then it's got different outputs and let, and you're like, just fucking name it, you know, put the name of the product on it but they don't do that. So we can do that ourselves. And that, that makes a huge difference. I mean, for every kind of product you have. So yeah, definitely in sex toy world. Definitely. So how do you do all your reviews? What's your methodology? Well, like I said, I really look at the material, the quietness of it, what it does. I mean, there's some crazy shit coming out. <laughs> that like, I'm like, really? Like there's evolved is making such powerful toys right now that I'm like, I would have to make an emergency room visit if I use this, you know, <laughs> but that's the thing is that's just me. And the beauty of this whole crazy world of sex toys is that's going to work really well for somebody out there who really right. wants that kind of stimulation and really wants to have a good time. So I just, you know, I just love everything, no matter how crazy I think it is and things like that. Well, yeah, there's some stuff out there that has the power of like a power drill. Oh my gosh, totally, totally. You know, Evolved makes them. Evolved's a great company. Their products are really good. They all have a five-year warranty between Evolved, Gender X, and Zero Tolerance are all the same company, which is owned by Greg Alves, who started Zero Tolerance Video. So that's what happened, like probably around 2000, all these DVD companies saw the writing on the wall and where the direction DVDs were going. And they were like, oh, we should probably get in the novelty industry. And and he's really succeeded immensely in that and definitely played the cards right and definitely had amazing and creative products. And and yeah, so I'm always impressed by their products. And And there's some they make that I'm like, what the hell, you know, <laughs> that I just... There's a lot of what the hell's in the world these There's days. There's a lot of the what the hell's in the industry of like sex toys. I actually pointed that out to one company. Okay, so the, a big category that's developed are suction devices for clitoral stimulation, right? Interesting. So there's tons of these products that is a um, an internal vibrator, right? So you stick that in and then it's got the, and it's one piece and then it's got a suction device on the top. So you stick it in and then you use the clitoral device for suction, you know, clitoral suction. Well, that's kind of good in theory. However, if you're like someone who likes to do the ins and outs with a sex toy, you can't fucking do that when you've got a clitoral suction device on your clit. It's going to break the suction constantly. Well, I'm like, for those, you can like stick it in, get the suction thing going on, and 
that's kind of it, you know, if you want constant suction. So what I always say is get two different devices, get something you want to put in and out and get an exterior clitoral suction device that you can just leave there while you're moving the ins and out thing. But there's so many of them that are these dual ones. Now, this one company came out with one. So it's got this internal part and then the clitoral section. And then there's this like two and a half inch long tail that's in between the two of them. Hmm. And I looked at it. I'm like, this makes absolutely no fucking sense. <laughs> so I saw. Sometimes that you wonder what they're thinking. It's Well, you know what? I can tell you what it is right now. You ready? Okay. I'm always ready. They're designed by men. It's a good point. I wouldn't know how to design a female sex toy, and I wouldn't try. Right, and try to make it different than the others. I mean, I get that that's their goal and things like that. But so I pointed this out, and so it was three guys at this trade show. I said, look, because they all know me. I said, I got to tell you about this one thing. And I showed them, and I said, this tail makes absolutely no sense. They're like, well, you're supposed to put it internally. I said that you're not going to be thinking about that when you're using this toy fucking fucking toy, right? You don't want to like put it in and have a good time. You're not wanting to think, oh, is the tail in or out? Because if the tail's out, it goes over the clit and the suction thing ain't going to work because it's not going to make the suction. So I'm like, this doesn't make sense. And they're like, uh, we should probably talk to our designers about it. I'm like, yeah. And if you really want to talk to somebody who knows their shit, here's my card. Do you do some designing? I do consulting, yeah, for design. Yeah, I would think anyway that the most successful toys are going to be those that are designed by women, right? Well, I want to think the majority are at this point. Oh, that or just even, you know, this is the thing. I don't think a lot of these toys are even tested. You know, like, oh, does this shape work? You know, let's get a dozen different vulva owners and a dozen different penis guys, right? And say, you know, do these work for you? Like, I really don't think anybody does that in this business. I really don't. Well, you'd hope they would. You would think, huh? And I think that's why so many people respect me in this business because I walk the walk and talk the talk. I try this stuff. You know, yes, I know that I just said I didn't because I review them, but for something, you know, like I said, something that looks like it makes sense, it's like, okay, I get this. But so, a design that doesn't make sense, I'm like, this doesn't make sense. And, and I actually, <laughs> I'd love to write an article like totally anonymous of talking to like all these people in the sex toy industry. Do you actually use your toys? Mm -hmm. Because I can tell you the over, overwhelming majority of them do not. That's a problem. I think it is. I mean, because how do you know? How do you know what to sell? This is the thing. Not one size fits all in this business. So just because you like this doesn't mean that other person will, you know. And, and that's the beauty of it too. But it's at, at least. Like, this is the thing is what, like I said, the things that I review, I know what I like. So when I see something I like, I'm like, oh yeah, this is going to work for me. And that's with anything, you know, is that the people that like those dual stimulators, try them. The, the ones that like suction devices, the ones that like ass toys. I mean, I mean, you can just go down this incredible list of all these different types of things that it's at least find people that use these toys and like 
their particular uses and say, hey, can you try these out? Does this make sense? Like, you know, while I'm on this diatribe about it, because I think it's really important, like, okay, so we all know the rabbit pearl. That was like one of the originals. It's a long story I can tell you. Well, what happens with a lot of these is they make the shaft like about six inches long. So the shaft is what you insert. And then the rabbit's at like the last inch and a half, two inches of it, you know? And in the meantime, the quote unquote G spot area is like maybe an inch down from the shaft or at, at the tip of the shaft. Well, that's not going to get the G spot if you're going to use the rabbit thing. All right. It's not going to happen. What I always say, and this is anybody listening out there can do this, make the letter C with your hand, right? So the letter C, you can do this right now, Bruce. Okay. Letter C, (laughs) then bend your first knuckle of your thumb. And if you were to put this into a vulva, your fingertips would be at the G spot and your thumb would be on the clit. Interesting. I thought you were telling me that I could check my pussy and I was going to tell you I don't have one. But anyway. Oh, God. But I got a, I got plenty of them you can try out. Right? So this is it. So it's like, why are dual toys not designed with this exact shape? The one toy that's been out there for a long time and extremely consistent with this shape is the Butterfly Kiss by Cal Exotics. It's exactly that shape and size. And so it doesn't look like a big toy because to do exactly the G-spot, so we're not talking like going to the cervix thing, G-spot's just right inside there. So to hit the G-spot and the clitoris, that's a perfectly shaped toy all the time. So they have a lot of variations. They came out with a silicone butterfly kiss. Butterfly kiss has probably been around 20 years at least, if not more. Now it's all rechargeable and everything like that. If you want a toy that's going to do both, that's the one. The thing is that the inside shaft one isn't really super large or anything, but the bulb is very distinct for G-spot stimulation. And that you could definitely do the ins and outs because it's not a clitoral suction device. So it'll, it'll be like a clitoral vibe. They have the, they have, it's a butterfly shape, but they've got ones that do licking now, which is a whole nother thing, which is really popular. Yeah. So they've got a lot of variations of it and they're all good. They're all good. Cool. So tell us more about the science of sexuality. We talked about the reproduction part of it for sure. There's, you know, I get kind of really science geeky on stuff. That's my, that's my favorite part of the nuts and bolts, so to speak, of sexuality. <laughs> I was going to say. Science. Because we know that there's sex therapy out there. There's trauma recovery. There's all sorts of, you know, all sorts. It goes all in sorts of things. The thing that turns me on the most is the hard science around sexuality. Just kind of like, what are the testosterone levels in women that are really good to have? Because both, you know, male, female bodies and everybody in between is a balance of hormones. So it's in a blend. And this is the thing is that so many we'll say, you know, cis women, because all this politically correct, but it's kind of neat because it is more clear. The cisgendered women, we all are blend. And what happens like around menopause is our testosterone levels drop, which has a lot to do with lubrication. It has to do with um, libido levels, a whole bunch of things. So what they found is that like quote unquote, the magic pill for women is actually an addition of testosterone. So there's all these different kinds of, and which is also called hormonal, you know, hormone replacement therapy. 
You know, I mean, it's not only estrogen and progesterone, but it's also balanced with testosterone. So this is the whole thing is that, you know, a lot of women, oh, I don't have any libido. I mean, there's other factors too, for sure. But it's like, you know, it, to find a doctor, either a gynecologist or endocrinologist or something like that, that can prescribe low doses of testosterone. We're not talking about the levels that a male would need or you know, somebody who's transitioning or something like this, but just to bring it up a little bit will make a difference in vaginal lubrication, horniness. I mean, just a whole lot of things. So this shit is so exciting to me of just to see like the levels. I'll give you another example of like what drives me like crazy good. There was a study and I should follow up. It was with Dr. Erwin Goldstein, who's a preeminent uh, female sexuality doctor. First name was Erwin? Neurologist by trade. Erwin Goldstein. Yeah. He started a, a place, San oh, Diego. Oh, it's, it's a guy. Okay. Medicine. All right. Yeah. Uh, San Diego Central Medicine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he and I go back to way to Boston because he was in Boston and they would always refer people to my store. And he and Alan Altman, who's another preeminent doctor around sexuality, they did a study and it was a small study and they took maybe 15 women that reported depression and were not on uh, antidepressants. And they took a control of 15 women who did not report depression, you know, as the control group. And they checked their testosterone levels. All of the women that reported depression that were not getting medically treated for it had significantly lower testosterone levels. So we, anybody who knows Science Geek, hormones control your body. Mm -hmm. They are the driving force of any body. So they said, maybe depression is linked to a lower testosterone level. And I'm like, holy shit. He goes, we can't even get our own doctors to wrap their heads around this. Never mind, what are we going to do with shrinks? They're not going to get it. They're going to give that Wellbutrin and progesterone, I mean, not Prozac and all stuff like this, including fucking SSRIs. Medicaid everything, right? Right, which fucks up everything. That plummets your libido even further. Instead of saying, let's do a hormonal check on your testosterone and see where that is. So to me, to learn this was like, Whoa, but yet I don't know if it went further in research or what. I mean, I wonder if the same thing follows for men and estrogen. Well, you know where they use estrogen actually is in hmm. treatment of prostate cancers. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, so that's where it's used because it, it quells. See, this is the thing it quells the testosterone levels and the testosterone reaction, you would say. So they use it actually more as a prostate cancer treatment and suppression. Like my dad went through that. I mean, prostate cancer is so commonly found in elderly men. And the doctors were like, you know, you don't really need to treat it other than taking this. You probably won't be getting erections. But I think it was like 80 something at that point. And he was like, yeah, okay, that's fine. <laughs> but, yeah. Anyway. It's like he was too old to bother, right? I, I get bit. it. I'm not there yet, but I get it. I certainly get oh, it. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you. What a toss up. And actually, that's kind of funny. So I grew up on top of my father's furniture store. He had his own furniture store after World War II. And so his father was a troubleshooter for Montgomery Ward. I reek of retail. I mean, even on my mom's side and everything. Oh, well, yeah, you had a store. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so so this is the thing. It's so, I, My store is open a couple of years at this point. 
And my dad, my mom, I was at their house and my dad just goes, Kim, I know you talk about very personal things with your customers and I've been having some erection issues lately and my doctor said I should get one of these. And this was like 1997, so it was before the internet. Well, it was, you know, early days of the internet. It was a penis pump. Oh, geez. Right? And so I'm like, oh. And I went right into sex educator mode. I'm like, okay, well, let's look at a few things here. First of all, you're 77. It has a little bit to do with it. Also, too, is like, you know, you have high blood pressure going on. That'll do a circulatory issue, things like that. So I'm like, you know, all of these components will add to this. And I said, the thing with one of these penis pumps is it will artificially increase the size of your penis. And I articulate that word really heavy because everybody thinks, oh my God, look, I got this big boner. No, it's suction. It creates suction by sucking but fluid into it, water into your penis, and it's stretching the skin and making it look bigger like this. It is not erectile tissue. When you break the seal of that, you're going to shrink up like a piece of spaghetti. And so what doctors do- Be a balloon, yeah. Yeah, they still fucking recommend this because it's like, oh no, look at what you've got. So you put, they say, use this suction and then put a cochrane in and you might get, all right, get ready. Two to three seconds of penetration. Oh, how fun. And they think that's good. And meanwhile, their partners, you know, usually a wife and they're older and stuff kind of is like, that's it. And that's what doctors recommend. So my, my dad, you know, showed me this, this suction thing. And I said, well, you know, below his. And then I put my hand on his shoulder and I said, and daddy, I can get it for you wholesale. <laughs> That cracks me up. Yeah. Now the other line that I told him too, which is true. And I use it for when I do trainings at stores and things, you know, this happens every time at every sex toy. When you're working in a sex toy store, no matter who you are, you get hit on a lot because you're working in a sex toy store. So they think, Oh, you know, I can probably have sex with this person, but I actually have a big boundary is I do not have sex with customers. You know why? Why? Because the customer always comes first. (laughs) Very good, Kim. We move on. I told my dad that. He was very proud of me. (laughs) I bet. I bet. So what's the craziest thing you've heard in all your years in the business? Oh, you know, that's a funny one. I worked one time at a home sex toy party company with these young guys and they knew that, you know, I'd been around a lot and stuff. And they asked me that same question. And so I said, you know what, let me get back to you on that. And shortly after, I thought of something. Mm -hmm. So I have a friend. She's a total whack sex girl like me. I love her to pieces. Mm -hmm. I've known her for a long time. She'll try anything with anybody. I mean, she's great. Okay. So, yeah, because, I mean, this, you know, when you meet a a kindred spirit like that, you're like really connect. So she told me this one. So she was seeing this Italian guy. And he wanted to make a copy of his dick. It's Clone a Willy, it's called. Clone a Willy. It's been around a long time. You make a mold of your penis and then you cast it. They have silicone and rubber materials and stuff like that. That's pretty cool. A lot of people use that, Clone a Willy and stuff. Here's where it took a turn. He had her use it 
in a strap on to fuck him up the ass so he can feel what it would be like to get fucked by his own dick. Oh, interesting. Yes, that is wild. That (laughs) took it for me. It takes the cake. It definitely takes the cake. Take the cock, that's for sure. Yes, I want somebody to fuck me with my cock. With my own one. (laughs) So I'm like... That is so fucked up. And I mean, I think, you know, this is the whole thing that's about this, about this whole business is somebody thinks as crazy is a big turn on for somebody else. Oh, absolutely. Well, look at all the niches. Okay. Look at all the different niches in porn and you look at some of it and you just go, huh? But somebody, somebody likes it. A lot. A friend of mine's a foot doctor, and he's like, how can anybody have a foot fetish? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, this is the thing, and I this know. is the beauty of it. I know. Hey, I, I mean, my friend Massey runs one of the most successful uh, foot fetish networks, and another client of mine is actively buying fetish and, and foot fetish clips for sale store because they do very well. So I know. I know, I know. It's hard for me to understand too. Although I will say something. I on Twitter, I've seen some foot jobs, and it ain't bad. It's not really my thing, but it ain't bad. It's the way that this person did it was pretty darn good. Although some of these creators are just really, really talented. And this particular creator, her her editing is just off the amazing. And I've actually complimented her on her editing that they do in-house. It's just, frick, I can't think of the creator's name right now, but it's just freaking amazing. I can put a condom on with my feet. I've done that in a car on an MIT grad student in an MIT parking lot. I was pretty proud of myself for that. So you do personal sex consulting. What does that entail? Well, you know, it's something. Because let's say you want to be a better golfer. Mm-hmm. you'll go to a golf pro right, or swing coach or something like that. And the work that I do, it's, you know, I work a lot of times I work with a sex therapist because they cannot do hands-on work. They're limited. So a lot of times it's called surrogacy work. It's, you know, assistant work, it's whatever. So it's basically working. I can work with a therapist if my referral comes through with a therapist to work on issues that they can't physically help with, but I can. So it's, it can do with ED stuff. It can do with just being comfortable. It can have to do with touch because a lot of people, you know, a lot of it's cultural, how they were raised, what, you know, a partner said to them. I mean, it goes on and on and on that they have a discomfort around sex and around anything that leads up to it including really basic touch. So what I do is I just, I, I help with that. I never, and I put that, I will never force my agenda on anybody because it's always about them. So it's kind of, you know, if I'm working with them individually, then it's talking first. Also too, I am not a therapist. I put that, I make that really clear. I'm not a therapist but I sure as hell know what I'm doing. So when I work with a therapist, it's a triad. So, you know, that's one thing. But when I work with somebody individually, it's like, you know, what are your blockages? What, you know, what comes up for you? What doesn't come up for you? What brings you here type of thing? So for a lot of women, it's just like, you know, I've never had an orgasm or I've never been comfortable around sex and things. 
And, and so then I'll ask questions. And the question that I always ask, I don't jump into it right away, you know, when I'm working with a woman client, but it's what I find, and this is pretty consistent. When women say, I have a hard time orgasming, it's like, what do you fear? And the answer is always the same. What do you think it is? I don't know. They fear letting go. Oh, yes. Yes. I've heard that one before. Yes. Right. So what I ask is letting go of what? And it puts them in a corner because they're like, and the answer is almost always letting go of control. And then I ask control of what? Because if, you know, if you're with a partner that you trust and things like that, this isn't a control battle, you know, and I cannot tell you on the other side, how many men say, oh my God, when a woman loses control, they get like all glazed over and like, oh my God. They should be happy. They should be happy. And the women should be happy about doing that. And I've talked to so many women that are like, oh my God, I had a night of sex. I totally lost control. Good. Good. Because that's when (laughs) orgasms will happen. That's when ejaculation will happen. That's when like, you feel like you're on another planet will happen. I mean, it's really it's fucking crazy, powerful shit. And I think this is what it is. Women, I think, are the ones that fear feeling so powerful that way and going on that other planet and losing control that they're afraid of it so they won't let themselves go there. When it's like, when you do, that's when your world will change. And so this is a lot of the work that I do is allowing women to go there. I did a lot of trading with Betty Dodson, the late, great Betty Dodson um, around that. And you can look her up. And I've done, like I said, years and years of training with her. I've done a ton of training with Annie Sprinkle. Um, My work is based on breath and energy work because I think that's what really controls everything is your breath work. I can actually like, it's kind of a lot of Reiki practice, even though I haven't technically been learned that. But I can actually look at a body, and this is male or female or any any gendered body, and see where the blockages are just by like what tenses in their bodies with breathing and stuff. And and so I don't do any masturbation stuff. They do all that themselves. But what I'll do is I'll guide them with my hands and just like lay my hands on wherever. It's all chakra work of like, okay, here, you know, that, and just they can connect with it and stuff and just so it's seven chakras and i mean you can see like when their genitals like just kind of close down or when their bodies their bellies tense up or their or their chest and their breathing and then their their throat that's another strong one you know or their heart even i mean you can see that in the the heart you know for women it's like a lot of it's emotionally based of like you know and stuff like this but it's a matter of releasing it and so you continuously release as your breath is like getting fuller and fuller and things and you know it's called technically it's like the fire breath orgasm is what it is and then it goes you know to the the center of your forehead like your third eye it's called and boy that's a big crunch spot too because people fucking overthink sex all the time don't do that people don't overthink it enjoy it let go have fun and Everything will be fine, right? 
Don't fucking think about what anybody else thinks. Even your partner, if you need to cut a fart, cut a fart. You know, I mean, this is a thing. This is part of the letting go thing. Just people hang up on that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Laugh during sex. Not enough people laugh during it. I mean, point. Pointing and laughing might not be cool. But. That can be a problem. Yes, yes. I've uh, had that happen too much. But no, just kidding. Yeah, no, that. And then if you're not comfortable in a position, change positions. Right, right. Right? People then uh, uh, change it, you know? So this is the thing. People don't know that. Play doctor. That's a really great way to learn about Ooh, yourself. I like nurses. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> It. I know playing doctor is really fun because you're giving a critique, but you're not criticizing. Yeah, it's a good time. That's definitely a good time for sure. So, yeah, so there's a lot. I mean, God, I just love this stuff so much. It's just, it's because it's always different. Like, I'll get people that'll say, Oh, I've got a question. You've probably heard it before. I said, Yeah, but not from you. So, it's a new question. Exactly. Well, what I really like about you, Kim, is your enthusiasm on the topic and your passion, and it's it's always great. I'd like to thank you once again for being back with us today on Adult Side Broker Talk, and I hope we have a chance to do it again soon. Absolutely. All my social is at Kim Ayers. Thank God there's only one of me. And uh, yeah, and then my toys are at grandopening.com. But stay tuned because I'm also going to have the toys at kimayers.com. There you go. So I'm excited about that too. So yeah. Love it. Thanks again, Kim. Thanks so much, Bruce. You bet. Yeah, Take okay. care. You too. My broker tip today is part four of how to buy a site. Last week, we discussed making an offer and deciding the best price for the site you're buying. Once you've made your offer, the work begins. If you're working with a broker, like say, oh, I don't know, maybe adult site broker, we handle the negotiation for you. Let's say the seller doesn't accept your offer. They may make a counteroffer. If you decide that you're willing to pay more, you can either accept their counteroffer or counter back to them. A good rule of thumb is to always leave room to negotiate. So don't make an offer that's the absolute most you're willing to pay. If you do that, then you have nowhere to go if the owner counters your offer. Once the owner and you have come to a deal, then it's time to do some due diligence beyond what it is you've already done. During the initial process of looking at the site, you should have asked some questions, like in the case of a pay site, how many joins and rebills there are per day, and any other pertinent questions. During due diligence, you need to make sure everything is where you need it to be technically to integrate it with what you're already doing. You may even get your developer involved if you're not tech savvy. You and or your developer should ask these pertinent questions. Once those are answered to your satisfaction, you should either have the seller or yourself draw up a sales agreement. I always tell my clients to do the agreement. Why? Because that way you can dictate the terms. So whether you're the buyer or the seller, you can make the rules. But just get ready to have the seller's attorney change some of those rules. Nothing is final until everything is signed off on. Another thing we do for our clients is a letter of intent prior to the sales agreement being done. This gives your attorney a roadmap for the agreement. The letter of intent and more so the agreement will have all the terms involved, including who pays for everything. Who pays for escrow, for instance? This can be paid by the buyer, the seller, or split between both parties. We'll talk about this subject more next week. And 
Next week, we'll be speaking with John, the director of Expose NCOSE. And that's it for this week's Adult Side Broker Talk. I'd once again like to thank my guest, Kim Ayers. Talk to you again next week on Adult Side Broker Talk. I'm Bruce Friedman.